Good morning, Lakeview Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Williams, and I get to serve here as the lead pastor at Lakeview, and I want to just take a moment and just welcome every single person that is in the room today. We're so glad that you're here, so glad that you ventured out on this snowy day. We've had a very mild winter, and we're not very practiced in driving in snow this winter, so thank you for being here. And for those of you who are joining us online, just want to take a moment and look right in the camera and just let you know we're glad that you're here with us. Thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join with us and gather with us online. And for those of you here in the room, can we just say a good welcome to those who are joining us online by giving a round of applause? We're so glad you're here. Thanks for being with us today. As Pastor Jared was praying and, and just talking about 21 days of prayer, we are in that season. We're two-thirds of the way through, and about 30 of us have been gathering every morning right here in the sanctuary, just seeking God, and we've just been praying and, and asking God's favor on different aspects of our church and different, different aspects of what God's doing in the world. And if you have not been with us in these first two weeks, Monday is tomorrow, and you can join us. You don't have to worry about the fact that you haven't been here. You can just be here tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. We'll be right in this room. We'll have a great time of prayer. We pray for an hour. We're done right at 7.30 or a couple minutes before so you can get on with the rest of your day. But we would encourage you to be here. And then I would like to invite every single one of you to be here next Saturday morning as we wrap up our 21 Days of Prayer morning services. And I'm going to be teaching on the Lord's Prayer in that service and giving you another pattern for prayer on Saturday morning. So I want to encourage you to be here, and we're going to spend time next Saturday after the teaching time, which will be about seven to ten minutes long, and then we're going to just spend uh, kind of spread out through our building, and we'll have all of our spaces open, kids' spaces, our youth room, all of the hallways will be open, and next Saturday especially, we have asked every student at Lakeview Christian School to fill out a prayer request card. And they're going to leave that at their desk in every grade level at Lakeview Christian School. And so one of the things that we will do next Saturday is we spread out through the building. We'll pray for the ministries of our church, but we're going to go into Lakeview Christian School, into every classroom, at every desk. And we just want to make sure that every single prayer request gets prayed for. And so we want to encourage you to be here with us Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And we'll, we'll spend an hour in prayer. We'll be done at 9, and you can get on with the rest of your day. But we want to encourage you to be with us this week as we wrap up 21 Days of Prayer. We do 21 Days of Prayer twice every year. We do it in January and we do it again in August. We do that for a couple of reasons. One, we're committed here at Lakeview Church to building a culture of prayer. We happen to believe that, that human effort is not enough to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in this world. God doesn't say, here's what I want to accomplish now, go do it on your own and in your own strength. He actually gives us the power to do it, but in order for us to access that power, we have to be in communion with him in prayers the way that we do that. And so we give ourselves to prayer twice a year, January and August, but that's not the only time we pray. In fact, we pray every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So if you want to come a little bit early, we meet right in our prayer room, right out here in the lobby. Just go to the coffee and then just the door to the right of that. You can get your caffeine before you go into the prayer room. It's okay. And then, and then we'll just gather in there for a time of prayer. And I would love to see that prayer room packed out on Sunday mornings just asking God to show up and make himself known in our services 
every single Sunday. So I would encourage you to join us at 10 a.m. We have a, a prayer team that gets prayer requests throughout the week, and they're prayed for. As soon as those emails come through, if you're on that prayer team, we stop and we pray for those prayer requests. And so if you've got prayer requests, you can let the church know. We get those out to our prayer team and people will pray for them when they arrive in their email inbox. And so we encourage you to, to think about that as part of our prayer culture. And then last Sunday, we introduced another component of this culture of prayer that we're trying to build. And that's Wellsprings of Freedom. And uh, David Kelly was here last week, and he talked about that. David is here with us again today. He's going to be leading an orientation session right after this service in the fireside room, which is right out those double doors there and, and to the left. And so I would just encourage you, if you had any curiosity, just a sliver of curiosity last week, or even right now as I'm talking about what Wellsprings of Freedom is, I want to just encourage you to receive that as the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not kidding. If there is any, just a tiny sliver inside of your heart or soul that says, I kind of want to know more about Wellsprings, I want you to hear that as the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go to the fireside room right after church and be a part of this orientation. You're not signing up. You're not, there's no contract. You're not signing your life away. We're, we, just want, we just want you to know more about it so that you can make a decision whether or not God is leading you to help us start that ministry right here. And Wellsprings really is just a ministry of prayer that comes alongside of people to help them discover where has the enemy oppressed them, distracted them, held them back from their purpose? Where is the enemy holding them captive? And then it just helps people find freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And, and we, we believe that God's leading our church to start this ministry, and so we want you. If there's any, any desire at all, just go to that meeting so you can learn more about it and you can make a decision from there. Now, we are in this series during 21 Days of Prayer, which we're calling Pray First. We chose that title for two reasons. First, because we have a, a resource that's available for you at the back of the room, and it's a book called Pray First, and it's written by Pastor Chris Hodges. He pastors Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, and this book is one of the most practical books that I have ever read on prayer, and I wanted to make sure that you had access to it. And so we took a book that you'd pay 20 bucks for on Amazon, and we got a discounted rate for our church. And then our church board set aside some resources to bring the cost down even further so that you could have a copy for $5. And so we would encourage, if you haven't already picked one of these books up, to pick one up today for $5. And if you don't have $5, pick one up. We have had people in our church over the last couple of weeks give more than $5, and when we've tried to give them change, they've said, I don't need change. Give a book to someone who needs one. So if you've resisted picking up a book because you didn't have $5, feel no more resistance. Just pick one up on your way out. We want you to have it, and we don't want money to be the reason you don't get it. So we've got this sermon series called Pray First because of that book, but also because we want prayer in our church to be our first response and not our last resort. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about, that we, we encounter obstacles in our life and we try everything we know to do? We, we're trying to work it out. We're trying to solve problems, fix it. We're trying to finagle things to make it all work. And then we get done with everything that we can try and we get to the end and then we say, well, I guess I'll pray now. I want to flip that equation. Let's just pray first. Let's actually, when something comes into our life, good, bad, or ugly, let the first response be a response that says, okay, God, I'm walking into this. What do you want me to do? How do you want to guide? How do you want to lead? How do you want to provide? How do you want to bring glory and honor to yourself? Let's pray first. And we've really been talking about how do we build a life of prayer. Pastor Jessica started this series a couple weeks ago, and she talked about the fact that prayer is just communication with God. And we might not know all the words or all the fancy ways to say things. We just start. Like a baby starts learning to form words. That's how we learn to enter into a life of prayer. We just start talking to God, and God begins to work and, and teach us how to pray. And we want to encourage you to approach prayer that way. And then last week, I introduced you to the tabernacle prayer, which is one of the prayers that's included in the Pray First book. And if you didn't hear last week's message, you can go back and hear it online, or you can look at the chapter in the book on that. But it's a pattern for prayer. This morning, I want to introduce you to another pattern for prayer. And then on Saturday morning, I'm going to introduce you to another pattern for prayer. And, and then next Sunday, we're going to talk about how to build a life of prayer beyond day 21. How do we become day 22 people who keep praying and keep seeking God after 21 days of prayer is over? And so this morning, again, I just want to talk to you about another pattern, another way to pray. And as I was thinking about building a life of prayer, I was thinking about this verse in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, which says that we are to pray in the Spirit in every situation. And I want to just stop there for a moment because the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. And if you're anything like me, I thought, well, that's silly. I mean, who could do that? Right? Like, we got work to do. Right? Like we gotta we gotta get our kids to school and we gotta take the trash out and we gotta wash the dishes and clean the house and do the laundry and we gotta go to work and clock in and do what's in front of us and clock out and go home and we gotta pick up groceries on the way. Who has time to pray without ceasing? But what if we learn to pray in every situation? What if prayer wasn't just the thing we did in our quiet time, in that part of our day that we've set aside to spend just, just personal focused time on the Lord? What if we learned to have sentence prayer conversations with God all day long into everything that we do? What if before we logged on to the Zoom meeting, we prayed? What if before we sent that text message, we prayed? What if before we posted on social media, we prayed? We should do more of that before we post on social media, just to pray and say, Lord, is this, is this okay? Is this okay for me to do? Before we turn on that show, to say, Lord, is this the kind of show that you'd want me to watch right now? Is this the best way for me to spend my time? 
What if we just learned to pray in every situation that came our way? We would start moving toward a pray without ceasing kind of life. So we pray in the spirit in every situation. And then this next line of the verse, and we use every kind of prayer and request that there is. There are different ways to pray, different patterns for prayer, different kinds of ways to seek the Lord in prayer. And and what I've been doing in my life over the last several years is I've kind of been building the prayer toolbox. I've been learning different patterns and methods of praying because, because sometimes I get in a rut in my spiritual life. It doesn't feel alive and it doesn't feel fresh and doesn't feel like I'm really connecting with God. And when I find myself in that situation, before I just only had one way to connect with God, only one way to seek him, only one way to pray. I just kept doing the only thing I knew to do or even worse, I stopped because I didn't think it was working anymore. And I didn't know what else to do. And what I've been doing over the last few years is discovering that there are different ways to pray, different ways to seek God, different kinds of prayer. And so now I have this toolbox. And when I find myself in a rut, I can just reach into that toolbox and find a different tool and try that for a little while and breathe freshness into this life of prayer. And some of you need to add patterns of prayer to your life so that you have different ways to connect with God, so that you're stretching and growing as you build this life of prayer. And so last week we talked about the tabernacle prayer. Today I wanna talk to you about the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. Now this prayer is found in the book of 1 Chronicles. And 1 Chronicles doesn't make the list of most interesting books in the Bible to read. It's okay to laugh because, I mean, it's true. It's just, in essence, the book of Chronicles is a list of names, most of which you can't pronounce and I can't either. But let me give you a little tip on, on Bible names, okay? No one else knows how to pronounce them either. So the key is confidence, just say it with confidence like you know what you're doing and everyone else in the room will say, huh, that must be how you say it. Because nobody else knows how to say it either, okay? So you read this long list of names which you don't know how to pronounce, and it literally is just a list of names. There's not a story around them. You don't know what they did with their life or where they even lived all of the time. It's just a list of names. But right in the middle of this list of 600 and some names, there's one name that gets two verses. One name that that just a little bit more is said about him. In fact, he's the only name in the list that has any description about him. In this long list of 600 plus names, one name gets singled out and we learn a little bit more about him. First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. 
Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And then right back to the names. I want to talk to you about Jabez this morning just for a few minutes and the prayer that he prayed because I think it contains a pattern that we can use in our own prayer lives. Jabez is named Jabez because he caused pain. We don't know exactly what this means. We just know that his mother said this was a painful birth. Maybe it was the circumstances surrounding her pregnancy. Maybe it was the pain actually caused in labor and delivery. Maybe it was more painful than his brothers. Whatever it was, she decided that this child that she had given birth to in pain should be named Pain. I thought for a little while in my life that my name was Pain. Because my mom used to say, you are sometimes such a pain in my backside. Now, your mother probably didn't say things like that to you, but my mom said things like that to me. And I thought, maybe my name is pain. Jabez didn't have to wonder, is my name pain? His name was pain. His mother said, because of the way you were born, I'm going to assign to you a name and an identity that you are pain." that that's what your life represents. And what we learn from Jabez, besides the prayer that we're gonna discover, is we actually learn a pathway to rise above the labels that people place upon us. We learn a way to actually move beyond the pain and suffering that others may cause in our lives to become the person God wants us to be. That regardless of what the circumstances of your life have handed to you, regardless of what names people have placed on you, regardless of the labels that they have given you and assigned to you, you can pursue God's purpose and plan for your life and you can rise above that. And some of you need to hear that today because right now you're living, some of you, in a victim's narrative. And you're just assigning your life's identity to what others have done to you, what others have said about you, what others have assigned to you. And I want to encourage you to understand that God actually has a victor narrative for you, that he wants you to rise above what others have placed on you, and he wants you to become everything that he's planned for your life. And it is okay to clap because I am preaching better than you're amending right now. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it is a good plan. It is a good plan. He wants to use your life to advance his cause in this world. And Jabez, beyond just teaching us a prayer to pray, Jabez shows us how to rise above the pain and suffering of our lives and actually live for something that is beyond ourselves to live for the purposes of God and become everything that God wants us to be. And so Jabez prays this prayer. And it's this prayer that makes him more honorable than his brothers. It's this prayer and God's response to this prayer that lifts Jabez above his assigned identity to live out the purposes of God. And he prays for four things. The first thing he prays for is for God's blessing. 
He says, oh, that you would bless me. Now, when we hear the word blessing, lots of things come to mind, right? Like food, right? Would you say the blessing? Or missionaries, God bless all the missionaries in the world, right? Or sneezing, God bless you. Or, or maybe you have a friend like mine, and, and some of you know my friend, his name's John Ott, and, and he likes to say, bless your heart. I don't know why he thinks my heart needs blessing so much, but, but he blesses my heart a lot. Sometimes we hear the word blessing and some of us go to kind of health and wealth kind of teaching that you might've heard in the church. Like if you give certain amounts of things and pray the right way, then God will give you everything you've wanted, like material things. And, and, and so we think about that kind of name it, claim it. Some people call it blab it and grab it. Um, and it's that kind of, kind of theology. And so, so blessing gets confused a lot because we use it in a lot of different ways. But when we talk about blessing in this prayer, what we are praying for is we are saying, God, would you add your supernatural favor to my life? It's not a prayer for more money and it's not a prayer for more stuff. And it's certainly not a prayer for selfishness as we're gonna discover as we walk through this prayer this morning. But it is a prayer to say, God, would you add your supernatural favor to my life? Now, when we think about blessing and favor, there's another biblical term which comes up a lot in the scriptures and it's the word prosper. And this word prosper literally means not, not God, give me the, the new sports car I want, but it means to push forward. As in your life can go to a certain point in your own effort and your own strength, but it can only go that far. But when God adds his favor to your life, he pushes you forward farther than you could go on your own. And so when we pray, Lord, bless me, all we're praying is, God, can you make me better than me? Can you do something in and through my life that I could never do on my own so that you would be glorified in the way that I live my life? When we pray for blessing, we're not praying for more stuff or in some kind of selfish way that we would get all the thing our hearts desire. No, we are praying for God to come behind us and alongside of us and push us forward so that we can accomplish more for his name than we ever could on our own. I believe God wants to push us forward. And some of you aren't sure of that. You think, that sounds great. I'd like to have God push me forward. But does God really want that for my life? If you read the Psalms very much, you'll come across pretty early Psalm 5, verse 12. And this is what it says. This will give you some idea of God's desire. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Listen, God wants to bless your life. And again, some of you may struggle to believe that, but listen, God has a plan for your life. And in order for you to fulfill that plan, he has to bless your life because he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. This is God's plan and purpose for our lives. Now, this word prosper, which I mentioned earlier, it shows up in scripture. In fact, I've been reading through the book of Genesis in January. I haven't gotten to Chronicles yet. I'll get there. I got Leviticus in the way before I get to Chronicles, but 
But I'm in Genesis right now, and Genesis has a lot of stories in it, and it's fun to read. And, but this is what it says about Isaac, Abraham's son. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. How is that for putting the word prosper in that verse three times? God is pushing Isaac forward. And why would God push Isaac forward? Well, because Isaac was the son of Abraham. Do you remember what God said to Abraham? I'm gonna bless you. And you're gonna have a family, Abraham. Even though you don't have a child, I'm gonna bless you. And you're gonna be a blessing to all the nations on the earth. This is God's plan for our lives, that we as his people would be blessed. We would be pushed forward, not by our strength, not by our name or what we know how to do, but by God's presence in our lives. And as he does that, he would use us to bless others and make a difference for him. This is what we are called to be and to do. Now, here's the thing. Whenever the word prosper comes up, and, and rightfully so, there is this immediate, for some of you, like warning light. Because there is this, this heretical teaching. I'm gonna call it what it is. It's a heretical teaching, which is in the church and it's in other parts of the world and, and it spreads in different places where people will teach a gospel that says the, the goal of this whole blessing, prosperity, favor thing is you give to God so you can get what you want. That is heretical. It is not what the word of God teaches. And I just want to make that really clear because some of you will, will leave having heard this part of the message and you're going to hear something I did not say. Because I did not say that you should give to get. That's heretical. God is not your, your cosmic vending machine. You put some money in, select what you want and expect it to pop out the bottom. That's not the way it works. That's not what prosperity is. And so what happens is we come across verses about blessing and favor and prosperity. And because we have that heretical teaching in our minds and the warning lights are flashing, we just back away from those verses altogether. We just don't want anything to do with them. And we leave that teaching of the Bible alone because we don't want to make a mistake. I respect that and I understand that, but I don't want you to forsake understanding what biblical prosperity is because I think there is a biblical definition and here's what it is. It's having more than you need so that you can make an eternal difference for him. This is not about giving to get. It's about giving so that you can give. And whenever God gives you more of anything, not just money or stuff, but when he gives you more love, when he gives you more grace, you just give it. You don't hoard it for you. You don't, you don't just think, oh, isn't that nice that God gave me this so I can just have the life I've always wanted. No, every blessing of God is intended to be given to others. And the more that you give to others what God has given to you, guess what happens? The more God gives to you. Why? Because God's whole desire from Genesis chapter 12 on is to bless his people so we can be a blessing. You are not on this planet to be blessed for your own benefit. You are blessed so that God can use you to accomplish his purposes in the world. 
This is what God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse two. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. That's why we ought to pray, God, give me everything you want me to have. Put your favor behind my life. Push me forward, God, not for me, but for you so that I can do everything you want me to do in this world. Bless me, Lord. Second thing that Jabez prays for, he says, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. I don't want my yard to be bigger. It's already big enough. I don't want to cut any more grass. So I'm not praying for a bigger yard, and I'm not praying for a bigger house. But I am praying for God to expand my influence for his kingdom. Without any shame or reservation, I pray every single day, God, whatever you want to use me for to expand your kingdom, have your way. Put me wherever you want to put me in front of whoever you want to put me in front of. And God, don't let me ever miss an opportunity to represent you and speak your name and take advantage of every opportunity that you've placed in front of me to expand your kingdom. I've had conversations with some of you and some of you have said, you're so busy. And my response is, that's the way God wants me to be. I take my Sabbath every day, every week. I, I rest. I spend time with the Lord every single day. I balance the rhythm of life, but I keep saying, God, whatever else you want me to do, I belong to you. Because when I get to the end of my days, I don't want to think to myself, I wish I would have done more for the kingdom of God. I want to get to the end and I want to hear God say, well done. You did everything I asked you to do. And when we pray for God to enlarge our territory, we're praying for influence. We're just saying, God, it's not about my name. I don't pray for people to know my name. I pray for God to use me wherever he wants to use me to expand his kingdom. And you ought to pray the same thing. Because when we pray for influence, we're praying for an expanded ministry for his name. And when we talk about ministry, we're talking about the ministry that every one of us as followers of Christ are called to. What are we called to? We are called to be people who make disciples. That's my calling and it's your calling. I think in the church in North America for a long time, we have thought that the calling to make disciples was the calling of the pastor or it was the calling of the church as an organization or an institution. And that's why the church in North America is failing. We are declining in our influence in North America right now, significantly. And it's because we thought we employed professionals to make disciples or that it was the job of some organization that held events and that disciples would be made there. But what if when God gave the great commission, he was giving it to his disciples? Not to a select small group of professionals who had a degree in theology so they could make disciples. What if he was saying, if you're a disciple... You're called to make disciples. By the way, that's what he meant. So we're all called to make disciples. And some of you have lived your whole Christian journey and you haven't made one yet. You're busy. 
Ask God to enlarge your territory, to give you more influence for his kingdom and for his cause. Let him use you to make disciples in 2023. You don't have to make hundreds of disciples. Just, just ask him to enlarge your territory. If you didn't make any last year, ask him to just help you make one this year. And if you made a bunch last year, just ask him to increase it. Just enlarge your territory. Say, God, just give me more ministry for you. Help me make disciples for you. What does it mean to make disciples? It means that you live your Christian life in front of people who don't know him. That's your witness. And when the Holy Spirit opens doors for conversation, you share your story and you share the gospel. And some of you are wondering, how, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. Well, Pastor Jessica and I are teaching a class on Wednesday nights starting on February 1st, and you're invited. If you don't know how, we're gonna teach you. We're gonna teach you how to pray for lost people. We're gonna teach you how to build relationships with lost people. We're gonna teach you how to share your testimony. We're gonna teach you how to share your faith. And we're gonna teach you how to leverage the calling God's placed on your life to make more disciples for him. And we want you to be a part of that. And so you can sign up for it on the small groups page. It's listed as a small group. I hope it's a large group. Pastor Jessica and I would love to have a large group of people that we could teach and equip to share your faith. I want every single one of you in 2023 to step into the ministry that God's called you to. And I want every single one of you in 2023 to have the joy of, of leading someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ and to help them take the first steps in their spiritual journey of discipleship. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Pray for God to enlarge your territory, to give you more influence for him. I love what Paul prays in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is what he says. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. And some of you won't pray that kind of prayer because you're looking at your experience. You're thinking about your capabilities. And I wanna just encourage you, move beyond what you can do. That's why we start by praying for blessing. Lord, push us forward. Make me better than me and then enlarge my territory. Give me more influence for your kingdom and help me do something that I couldn't do on my own. I wanna just encourage you to increase your faith in 2023 and pray for God to give you more ministry. And I want you to remember Ephesians chapter three as you pray that prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Whatever you think God could do, he can do more. And we ought to pray with that kind of faith. Third, Jabez prays for presence. He prays for presence. He says, let your hand be with me. Now, the hand of the Lord is a biblical term which really just represents the power and presence of God like we read about in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 11, it says the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What's that verse saying? It's just saying that God's presence and God's power was with them and upon them. And they were able to do things for his glory and for his honor. So when we pray that, we, that God's hand would be with us, we're just simply praying for God's presence and God's power to rest upon our lives. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from 
God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You see, what happens when you cry out to God for blessing and God actually starts to push your life forward and you're praying for more influence and God puts you in places, all of a sudden you realize, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, some of you, you're so kind to me, but half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, that may shock you, and you may decide to go pick another church now, but I'm just telling you, there are so many days where I just say, Lord, I don't have a clue what to do next. And when I say that, I'm just saying, God, I'm completely dependent on you. If you don't show up right now, I don't have enough wisdom, enough knowledge, enough insight, enough strength on my own to do what needs to be done in this situation. So God, show up or I'm in trouble. When God blesses you and puts you in those situations and circumstances, man, you start to realize, I don't, I've never been here before. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Now listen, it feels so much better when you're competent, when you're skilled, you're educated, you know what you're doing, you're qualified for the job. That feels so much better, but that's also a life that doesn't advance. Because if you always know what you're doing and it's always easy and comfortable and you've been here before and you've done that before and nothing ever stretches you and nothing's ever beyond your capacity, then you don't really need God. And so you just stay there in that place and you do what's comfortable, natural, normal, and easy and you don't do much for God. But when you say, God, put me in places that I've never been, expand my territory and take me into new places and God does that, all of a sudden you're dependent again. You say, oh shoot, I need some help. I've never been here before. Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And I actually think that God likes it when we find ourselves in places of discomfort, when we find ourselves outside of our comfort zone, when we find ourselves in places of weakness. Because guess what happens when we're in places of weakness? His strength is made perfect. And when that happens, nobody gets to step up and say, look at me, look at what I did. Because that person is on their knees saying, look at what he did. That's what God's calling us to. Bless me, Lord. Push me forward. Enlarge my territory. Give me more influence. Do whatever you want to do with my life for your kingdom and your cause. And God, in that place, would you let your hand be upon me? Because I need your presence. More than ever, I need your presence. Because I'm in uncharted territory. The last thing that Jabez prays is that he prays for protection. He prays that God would keep him from harm. And he says, so that I don't cause pain. And I, I think this, this last phrase, it's been translated a lot of different ways and a lot of different translations of the Bible. But, but I think what Jabez is, is coming back to is his assigned identity. 
He's saying, Lord, when all this other stuff that I've prayed for happens, please don't let me live out my assigned identity. Don't let me, don't let me do something that would cause me to live up to the name my mother gave me. I don't want to, I don't want to cause pain, Lord. And I think sometimes when, when we pray for blessing, we pray for influence, and, and even we ask for God's presence, Lord, just show up and do something great. If we don't pray for protection, we are going to be in trouble. And we see this, right? We see people who have God's blessing on their lives and their ministries. We see news story after news story, year after year, of people who are doing these great things for God. And then what happens? There's a moral failure. Why did that happen? Is it because they were bad people? Is it because they sent out to start this great ministry and then have a moral failure for the world to see? They never started that way. They just got into a place where they're experiencing blessing and God's favor and influence was expanding and God's hand was upon them, but they were not aware and always alert for the attacks of the enemy. When you're experiencing God's blessing and he's enlarging your influence and his hand is upon your life, that is exactly the moment when more than ever before you need to pray for God to protect you from the evil one. Because that's exactly when the enemy would love to come. Strike the sheep, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, right? When you, are, when you are elevated in influence, when you're expanding your influence and you're representing God well in your school, in your work environment, in your neighborhood, in all the places where God has put you, what, what would the enemy love to do in that situation? He doesn't care about the lukewarm Christian He's got the lukewarm Christian right where he wants them. They're not doing anything for God anyway. But you, you're out there trying to do more for the kingdom of God. And what is the enemy? He is going back and forth in this earth, roaming back and forth. And he's like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. And he's always strategic. He's looking for someone to devour who by devouring that person, he can hurt a whole bunch of other people as well. And I want you to know that you have an enemy and his mission is clear. John 10, 10, Jesus taught us this. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. This is the enemy's mission and you better believe he wants that for you. And so we pray for God to protect us. We stand strong against the attacks of the enemy with the word of God and with the power of God. We can't defend ourselves in our own strength, but we can call on the name of Jesus and we can plead the blood of Christ over our lives and we can, we can submit ourselves to God and we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. This is what scripture teaches us. And so I want to encourage you to pray the way the psalmist prayed in Psalm 3. He said, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and you lift up my head. And if you find yourself doubting that God will protect you from the enemy, I just want to remind you of what Romans chapter 8 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So as we pray for blessing and we pray for influence and we pray for presence, let us also pray for protection. Now, as we close this service today, I wanna give you a chance to pray the prayer of Jabez. I wanna just give you just a couple moments here. We're gonna play some music and, and, and just put these points on the screen and you're gonna be able to see what these points are. And we want you just, if you weren't taking notes, just to, to pray through them. Bless me, pray for blessing. Pray for, pray for influence, enlarge my territory. Give me a ministry, God, that's bigger for your kingdom and for your cause. Lord, let your hand be upon me. Pray for his presence. And then pray for protection from the enemy. And I'm gonna give you just a couple moments to pray and then I'm gonna close us with prayer. So let's pray to our God right now. for every prayer that's being prayed across this room right now. I just add my faith to those prayers and I just ask you, God, to hear each one and grant our request. Lord, bless us, not for our own sake. Lord, push us forward so that we are living in that place in our lives where we are only doing the things that we could do because you are there helping us, blessing us, pouring out your favor and your anointing in our lives. And God, as you push us forward, would you enlarge our territory, God? We're not asking you to make us famous. We don't wanna be known, God. We don't want our names to be recognized. We don't want our names on billboards or marquees. Lord, we simply want to be put into places that you have designed for us so that we can do the ministry that you have created us to do, the good works which you prepared for us to do long before we were even born. God, would you put us in those places and would you help us to fulfill our calling of making disciples, to live as a witness in front of people who don't know you and to share the gospel every opportunity you give us. And God, would you use us to expand your kingdom? And God, as we find ourselves in those places and those conversations where we think to ourselves, we don't know what we're doing. Lord, would you make your strength perfect in that moment? Would you, would you show yourself to be God in that situation? And would you teach us how to be completely and fully dependent on you 
And may we see you show up in powerful and mighty ways so you get all the glory. And God, would you protect us from the evil one? We know what his mission is, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's always looking to oppress, to distract, to tear down, to devour us. But you have come that we might have life and we might have it to the full. So we speak against the enemy in our lives right now. We, we call out to the name of Jesus and we claim the name of Jesus and we plead the blood of Christ over our lives, over our homes and families, over our church. God, we're asking you to build a hedge of protection around us. Deliver us from the evil one, we pray. And God, we're asking in faith today that you would grant our request and you would do something special in and through our lives that brings glory and honor to you and to you alone. And for all that you do, God, we're gonna give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite you to stand with me as we close our service this morning. And as you're doing that, I wanna remind you, if you have even just an inkling of curiosity about Wellsprings, David Kelly is back with us this morning. He's gonna be in the Fireside Room to meet with us. So if, if you wanna know more, just go to the Fireside Room right after church. We'd love to have you there. And we wanna encourage you to do that. And this morning, as you go from this place, my brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and may he give you his peace and may you go in that peace today. You are sent out.